The Raw Rugby Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Raw Rugby Podcast. I'm Brett McKay. The ACT Brumbies have fallen at the final Super Rugby Pacific hurdle and Toulouse have killed off La Rochelle's ambitions of a European and Top 14 double. Your place for the biggest and best rugby discussion is the raw.com.au, Australia's biggest sporting debate. Wonderful to have Georgina Robinson back on the pod last week. Uh, Great insights from her, as always, on so many topics. And we keep going on about our big lift in numbers this season, and we're not really sorry for that. But Georgina's a great example. She was last back on the pod in October last year, and at the time it did fantastic numbers. Last week's episode surpassed in three days what that October 2022 episode did in 30 days. So, again, Thank you all for tuning in from wherever you find us each each week because it's been such a great uh, ride that we're having this year. Joining me this and every week, the man who, ahead of Saturday night's Super Rugby Pacific Instant Reaction Pod, found his studio occupied by teenagers, Harry Jones. <laughs> how's, how's it, Brett? Yeah, it's, uh... Have you recovered, mate? Oh, yeah, it was fun. so it's Father's Day yesterday in the US and yeah. uh happy Father's Day, mate. Yeah, thank you. And so I think my my daughter celebrated by bringing everyone in the world into the house and having a, a party. <laughs> <laughs> like children they they give you life and they take it from you. Yeah, and they make you clean up afterwards, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. Hit me uh hit me with a hero, mate. What's your what's your good news story from the week? Some think he's creepy, some think he is um, annoying, but I say that Damien McKenzie is one of those influential, big match temperament, don't bother me, I have this kick from 57 out, Um, and then throughout the match, it just looked like Damien McKenzie had the most time on the ball, he had the most space, he seemed to be able to play sevens rugby in a 15 match, in a a gritty bitter yeah. hard fought 15th match in the rain he still seemed to have time and space uh it's actually really fun to watch a guy like that um yeah i don't is. know how they're going to fit him into the all blacks but maybe just you know forget that for a moment and just say what a wonderful match it was by Damon mckenzie and i know it broke uh, brumby's hearts but he the brumby's plan seemed to be you know guard maca for 80 and they and they were guarding him yeah. for like 70, 76. <laughs> they guarded him for 79 and a half and he, and he drifted out off a scrum and he was looking out and then he suddenly goes, there's a gap there. Bang. He was ready. And, yeah. And that was, and that was the turning point. Wasn't it, it's it? actually yeah. very similar in a weird way to the top 14 French uh, final. Although I thought that yeah. the, the defense was atrocious in the, in the play, but Roman and Tamak, you know, glided through yeah. uh, all of La, La Rochelle and turned the match also kind of at the very end. As up to that point, you would say La Rochelle probably had the better of it. It was a little bit of magic, wasn't it? Uh, the zeros for this week, uh, mate, are milestones. Milestones mm. suck, and let me tell you why. Rico Ioani led the Blues out in his 100th game. Len Ikitao, Conor McInerney, and Noah Lolosio all ran out for their 50th Brumby game. None of them won. Yeah. That's, that's <laughs> milestones. I don't so, know the stats. We need to get uh, Ross or one of these guys um, on Twitter to look at this. But what is yeah. the record? I think it's terrible. I think maybe you think too much. Your your family's there. Your kids are yeah. there. And yeah, it's horrible. Like Dane Coles played his 350th first class game or something this year. And I'm sure he lost that as well. Yeah. Milestones suck. 
So what you're saying is if you're coming up on a milestone, just de-emphasize it. Don't talk about it. Uh, Yeah, yeah. Or, you know, order a miscount and hopefully you actually played it the week before. (laughs) (laughs) Start uh, making making new milestones, 101st game. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, 101st game. That's the one. That's the one. Mate, let's just get to this week's guest. We can wait for this one no further. We've long said that we have been blessed with guests on the pod over the last 18 months uh, and even more so this year specifically. But this week's guest may well be our best yet. Is this really happening? It's about to. The Raw Rugby Podcast. We're back to our Sydney studio as we find ourselves connected and from where we welcome for his debut on the Raw Rugby Podcast, a guy who has seen a bit around the rugby world in his time, former Springboks assistant, very briefly a Stormers head coach and now the Wallabies head coach, Eddie Jones. Welcome, Eddie. Welcome along. Hey, boys. All right. Yeah, yeah, we're we're pretty good. We're pretty good. You had a, a short stint as the co-host of the number one Australian rugby podcast, and so we feel like it's our duty to have now resumed that number since you briefly took it off us. That we welcome you back on the number one rugby podcast in Australia. Right. <laughs> how how uh, how are the initial how was the initial foray into into podcasting? Did you enjoy your your chats with Pemby? I know you did. Uh, I was just like. Basically, we were just chatting about on the phone. Um, yeah, we wanted to do something to help rain, raise the profile of Australian rugby, which uh, was maybe struggling a little bit. So, yeah, no, it was good fun, mate. Really good fun. Good fun. Are you are you slightly surprised at the size of the Australian rugby media since you returned home? Uh, no, because I've been on tours out here in yeah. 2016 and 2022, so I realised um how much it had fallen away and 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 the need to to try to create a bit of interest back in the game mm. yeah yeah you've certainly done that since you've arrived we start in the same place every week eddie and that's just to simply say what stood out from you on for you on the on the weekend what did you see around the rugby world that you that you really enjoyed oh well, i love the 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 way the crusaders played um the simplicity of their game, how quickly they realigned in attack and and reformed in defence, and and they played, I thought, a very good game of rugby. Yeah, yeah, they definitely did. Harry, what did you see? Oh, for me, it was the little Macca with the big sacker, uh, Damian <laughs> McKenzie, stepping up, waving away his coaches who wanted him to go to the corner and said, no, I've got mm. this 57-yard uh uh, at the, the, at, to put to put the score out at an awkward mm. amount for the Brumbies, I think it shaped the rest of the game. Um, you know, I've, I wondered what people would be if they weren't playing rugby, and I've always thought Damian McKenzie would be a stop smoking hypnotist. You know, he would use uh, <laughs> smile therapy, and he would teach you how not to smoke. But then you catch him in the parking lot at the back after the session, he's smoking himself. Yeah, so, he's smoking, having a pipe. Yeah, just a uh, cool, cool it. kid. And uh, it's interesting how a small guy like that, the little guy on the field. With these ferocious, and that was a ferocious uh, match, you have to admit. Yeah. Uh, compared, I think compared even to La Rochelle, uh, Toulouse, I thought the Brumbies, mm. um, the Brumbies played a, a much more ferocious game, which could fall into smashery and grabbery for Eddie. Yeah. Uh, but no, I, I thought that was amazing that one guy like Damien could just orchestrate it, intercept his own pass from his own player, and take it over. Yeah, yeah, that's no, a it's a fair point you make. Oh, look, I, I had to go to the Crusaders as well, who were ticking along, you know, pretty well mid-year. They gradually worked their way from sort of top four to top two by the end of the season, and then suddenly, boom, 
13 tries, 101 points, and they're into their 17th Super Rugby final. It's hard not to admire their ability at this time of year for the reasons that we've all just touched on. Eddie, there's so much we want to ask you about the international rugby and, and the Wallabies and all that, but we do need to touch on on Super Rugby as a starting point. How did you see the rugby, the, the Brumbies' uh, performance in that semi-final? Did you did they play the game you expected they, that they might take to the Chiefs? Oh, well, I don't really think about it in that way. Um, you know, I look at it more from a selection point of view. But then yeah. watching the game, you know, I thought it was hard. there wasn't much in the game, but the Chiefs, uh, I thought they outkicked uh, the Brumbies and their kicking was far superior than the Brumbies. I thought, you know, the Brumbies, you've got to admire that, that, that whole club the way they stayed at the top of Australian rugby for such a long period of time and and the fight and the pride they show every time they play. Yeah, yeah. The defensive effort must have enthused. Over, over the last few weeks, their defence has been uh, absolutely outstanding. Yeah, no, very good, mate. They've, you know, they've defended well. Um, yeah, and Stevie, I think, has tried to, to, to demodel their game a little bit, yeah. uh, take away their reliance on the on the driving mall and create more of a, a passing uh, running game. And, you know, I think he's, he's moving in the right direction with his mm. team. Yeah, yeah. When you've got a guy like Corey Toole out in the, the left edge, Harry, it's pretty yeah. easy to try and play a counter-attacking game, isn't it? It is, and you'd wish you'd see Corey Toole out there for longer, maybe. Eddie, yeah. you know, it's hard to imagine uh, winning a World Cup seven matches, tackling 1,500 times. So the Brumby way, you know, depended a lot on 200 tackles a match. Mm. Um, I imagine you want to kick better than that to avoid filling up all that time with tackling. Uh, it's a hard way to make a living. And is it frustrating that people, that fans sometimes, especially in Australia, maybe don't like kicking when really the team that kicks the best almost always wins the match? Well, I'll tell you what the Australian fans do like. They like teams that win. Um, <laughs> yeah. True, and, and it's not about kicking; it's about playing smartly. You know, yeah. the game goes through different cycles and has different demands, and in each part of the world, that can that can change. Um, but I think it's been fascinating in Super Rugby. That, you know, the two teams that have got to the final have probably got two of the best set pieces, and have yeah. probably got two of the the best probably kicking and the best counter attacking teams. You know, yeah. they. When Canterbury, Canterbury have made a living out of out of being a great counter-attacking team. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so the Chiefs, the Chiefs kicked more than any team all year by a long way too. Yeah, no, no. And you know, Mwanga's a very good kicker, but they've also got kickers across the field. You know, the yeah. the left winger is is a pretty handy sort of player, kicks the ball a lot for them, as did the left winger for the for the Chiefs. So. It's about having a number mm. of kicking options that can all kick accurately in a, in a number of different ways, and no one would have no one would have criticised the Chiefs for the way they played, you know, because no. they 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 attacked with intent, and when they kicked, they kicked with intent, not just to kick the ball away. Yeah, no, they kick they kick with purpose, Harry, and kick to kick to the right locations. No, I think that's right. Uh, and Eddie, I know that sometimes people are looking for you to pick uh, from form in the competition, but you're having to look at different competitions. First of all, top 14, you're looking at other other leagues and trying to compare them. But I imagine you also like to see a player who's good on a team that's not winning. I mean, in England, you pick some players that 
I mean, you relied on guys like Underwood, Laws, Genge, uh, Aaron Smith plays for the All Blacks quite well, even if his team doesn't make to the make the grand finals. What are you looking for when you're watching Super Rugby, uh, even if it's even if a player is maybe playing in a team that's not winning right now? Yeah, well, yeah, I was lucky enough to be coached by Bob Dwyer. Um, and we actually, Bob came to our camp today. You know, he's, he's in his 80s now, but he's still as sharp as ever. And he always, I remember, he always used to, said to say to me, always look for the players with the things you can't coach. Mm-hmm. And, and that's essentially, I've, I've stuck to that. Uh, you know, and what we mean by that are the players have got a good feel for the game. Yeah, I've got a certain amount of toughness about them because you've got to be tough to play our game. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they need to have something that they're, they're particularly special in. Um, so we're always looking for that, mate. Players who can make the jump from super rugby or club level to, to international level where you have to be generally more adaptable. Yeah, and you look at the personality of some of the players you had in England, you know, Owen Farrell, Courtney Laws, I believe on Apola, Mara Toji. Um, now, these are tough guys. I mean, they, the first thing you think about when you think about them is they're tough guys. Uh, are you trying to shape that a little bit more in the Wallaby camp to, uh, I mean, you've famously said it's a smash and grab job. So you're looking for a, a certain persona as well, not just skill. Oh, uh, well, you know, I don't think anyone can debate that rugby's a tough game. You know, it's a physically tough game and you need tough players. You need players who are prepared to put their body on the line when they think their their tank's empty, they're prepared to go a little bit harder. Um, you know, prepared to put their head over the ball. That's the sort of game uh, where where the tough players excel in, and uh, certainly we're looking for those sort of players. Good teammates, blokes who want to play hard for their teammates. Have you liked what you've seen from from the five Australian sides this year in Super Rugby? Well, yeah, as the Australian coach, when you got only one team in the semi-finals, um, you can't you can't be pleased because it means yeah. that most of our players are playing in losing teams, um, and and you can develop a, a losing mentality. Mm. Um, the special players can exude themselves or exclude themselves from that, but if you continue playing in a team that's getting beaten, then that becomes the norm for you, and they train like that, they play mm. like that, they think like that. So, yeah, it'd be preferable we had, we should, you know, with our resources, let's be frank, with our resources in Australian rugby, we should have th- at least three teams in the top six. Yeah, yep. I would think that would be a fair result. And we don't have that. Yeah. Is that going to be your biggest challenge for the next few weeks as, as you do pull pull your, your squad together to try and to try and reshape that mentality and that attitude to get away from that that losing mentality you talk about yeah well generally coaching at the international level it's it's more about behavior change than coaching rugby yeah mm. we don't we don't improve the skills of the players we don't improve um their ability to, to step off their left foot or throw a 15 meter pass yeah, yeah. We've, we've got to just find players who are prepared to play as part of a team are prepared to play a different role because we we do need to play differently from super rugby teams um, mm. and they need to be bloody tough, mate. They need to be yeah. bloody tough. Yeah, no doubt. How much conversation have you had during the year with the with the five-state 
coaches, I know you've made visits around the country and all that, but were you having regular conversations and, and have you been building and, and dis- discussing things to a certain point so that when guys do come into your squad, they know what's coming? Uh, yes and no. Uh, you know, I've been active in, and as our assistant coaches have, we've been acting and getting out the super rugby teams. You know, some coaches you have a better relationship with, with than others and, and yeah. you tend to talk more to them. And some coaches want to chat and some coaches don't want to chat. And, yeah, you know, I was a super rugby coach for, for two teams and I understand their point of view. You know, they're trying to do the best for for, for their for their franchise and, and for mm. their players. And so if the if they want to talk, then I'm available to talk. But if they don't want to chat, then I, I certainly don't impose myself on them. Yeah, yeah. There's one theory but, about uh, watching club comps uh, for test uh, test coaches where you want all the teams to play a similar style, like a like Kiwi style, or you want the French teams to play a certain style. And another, uh, or Irish, uh, maybe a better example. And other team, other uh, places like, and I think you're like this maybe, you like diversity, you like to look at different things. You pick up ideas from lots of sports. Do you kind of like having different styles of teams in Australia playing each other uh, so you can choose from those things? Yeah, well, I think you always want diversity because it brings different thoughts, uh, different ways of playing the game. But, you know, the difficulty then is putting them together in a small period of time Mm. to think the same way. Like, you know, we had a session this afternoon and, and we're just trying to do little bits and pieces of our attack and everyone thinks of it in a different way. So the, the difficult part is at the moment where we get them together and, and then trying to yeah. trying to get them to think the same mm-hmm. way. Um, but I, I also think that diversity helps because I wouldn't like to see a country just follow how we want to play because if it's the wrong way, then yeah. we're not in a good position. <laughs> no, certainly. Is, is there, obviously there's more teams, but is there more diversity? Is there more variation of, of how the Super Rugby teams are playing in 2023 than there was when, when you last coached Australia? Oh, I think less, one. Yeah, right. Uh, Interesting. Uh, well, yeah, traditionally when, when I was coaching, yeah, the Brumbies, we play, we tend to, to play a quite a tactical game. Yeah, New yep. South Wales generally had the best athletes. Yep. So they were quite an athletic, big, strong team. And, and the Reds traditionally had been under knuckles, you know, he was a, the forefather of, of the success of Queensland. It had been a, mm. a set-piece, strong-kicking side. But you, you see all of, that's, all of that's changed to a large extent. Now Now we have the Rebels and Force, which are obviously taking some players from some of the, the major teams. Um, so I don't see a lot of distinction between the team style now. Yeah, yeah. Whereas in, in New Zealand, you know, you've got the Canterbury who play a high counter-attacking game and as compared to Auckland who like to play a possession game. Yeah, and mm. Auckland Auckland had some success in Super Rugby when they went away from the possession game and played more of a balanced game, but this year they've gone back more to that possession game. Mm. I, I love yeah. that your old habits I love that your old habits are still there, Eddie, referring to them as Canterbury and, and Auckland and all that. It's <laughs> old, old habits are hard to shake. Uh, well, I just think it's their geographical regions, mate. You can call yeah. them by their by their monikers, but to me, they're they're still you know those those teams. Fair, fair. It's interesting, uh, Eddie. You've used the, the smash and grab. So I did some research on smash and grab and the diversity of how people smash and grab. And it turns out there's two main 
there's two main ways you can smash and grab. One is you ram a truck through a wall and you grab the whole ATM and you take off, you know, and the truck right. obviously is a Ford pack. Or you have the secret code from the janitor. So when you're like looking for, <laughs> for how to win the World Cup, are you looking for kind of a decode, hack the system like you did with Japan's whenever the Springboks? Or do you think there is a power uh, territory style counterattack that can beat Wales, Fiji, England, Argentina, and the big four? Well, we had 15 two-pays. We'd definitely be going through the front. But <laughs> um, so we don't have 15 two-pays. And, and we wouldn't have too much flexibility if we had 15 two-pays. But, uh, you know, if I, one of the things that has changed since I was here last time is the demographics of the team. Yeah, yeah. that's changed massively. Yeah, there's a much stronger influence of, of Pacific players now, which means Australia, which... Yeah, when, when I coach, we were traditionally underpowered versus New Zealand, yeah. and now we probably don't have a power differentiation. But what we need, what we do need to do is still play smart rugby. So we've got to, we've got to be bashing down the front door and at the same time trying to find the cater in the back door. Yeah, and that's the way I'm looking at that. And that, to me, is that a, that's Australian rugby now. Yeah, that's that's where we can have a point of difference. It's It's smart rugby. It's just... Smarter rugby, isn't it? Realistically, uh, well, it has to be the smartest rugby. Watching right. the Ashes last night, you know, and the, they're bowling, uh, Kawaja, Usman Kawaja, yeah, you know, and it's a slow pitch, and they've got basically got a ring of four, and they're encouraging to try to play square. And then they, you know, the Robinson bowls full, and it's a brilliant piece of, of cricket mm. tactics. And, and you know, we have to be good enough at times to be able to execute like that play different ways, um, not getting bully contests, play smarter, play faster, and sometimes play so, slow and play with power. Eddie, what, what sports, what other sports do you learn the most from and use the most? Uh, I know you, you actually do learn from a lot of different disciplines. Besides yeah, well, rugby, I, I mean. yeah, you know, the big thing is learning from other coaches. Um, yeah, I, I was lucky enough in England, uh, to meet a number of fantastic football, or as they call it, soccer yeah. football coaches there, soccer coaches there, and certainly learned not so much about the game, but about different ways of managing managing teams and managing squads. Um, so that's been useful. In terms of the game of rugby, I think the best people to learn from are usually the rugby league coaches because, mm. yeah, if you, you take away, take away the, the contest, that we have on the ground and obviously scrum and line out and kick off, then our phase attack and their phase defence, whilst it's not Pretty identical, similar, yeah. has similar similar ideas about how you manipulate defence and how defence stops the attack. So, yeah, I've been lucky enough to learn from a number of good rugby league coaches. League has an actual rule base, as of the NFL, about possessions uh, changing over if you don't make it in four downs or whatever. But rugby's turned into that, hasn't it, Eddie? Like, you don't really, you're not going to hold on to the ball for 12, 13 times without the huge risk of turnover in the middle of the field. And then, you know, the guys like the Chiefs are off to the races. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. You know, 75% of tries in, in tier one uh, test matches scored in the first three phases. So, you know, if you want to play smart rugby, attack fast, attack quick, when they're disorganised, and if if you haven't got them, then then give them the or no, give them the mm -hmm. ball, give them the ball back, so you get the ball back as quickly as you can, and there you go mm -hmm. again. 
it was interesting to hear Arabella McKenzie earlier this year. We spoke to her from from London, saying that that was the one thing she was trying to get used to. The idea that she wants to play, she just wants to play rugby. But this idea that sometimes you're actually better off to play without it, and that's been a an ongoing battle, Harry, wasn't it? That she said is she's trying to unlearn an instinct almost. Yeah, it's a game of pressure and uh, awkwardness. Yeah. Uh, I'll put, you, I'll, I'll give you the ball, you know, three meters from your try line. You're not going to like it very much. Uh, so, yeah. and we saw that a lot. That's what turned the tide in the Brumbies Chiefs match, actually. Rugby on the raw. Eddie, I first spoke to you ahead of the 2016 England series in Australia. Um, you and Michael Checker for the for the same mag- uh, magazine article, in fact. And one of the first things you said to me was that when you take over a team, there's always 50 things that are ro- that are going wrong, and you've got to find the three things that will then solve the 50 things. Have you found or have you identified the three things with the Wallabies? Yeah, no, I think so. Um, yeah, I never know, but. Uh... I've certainly got to got to throw some chips in certain areas, and and I hope we win. Um, yeah, the big thing for us, I think, you know, as as I, as we spoke about just before, is is getting that balance between playing a power power possession based game and, and being smart about the way we play rugby. The yeah. second thing will just be selection. Um, yeah, you know, how can we? We've got a number of good talented players here. Um, but how do we put them into a team that wants to fight and wants to be a team that, you know, people sit on the edge of their seats because they want to watch them play. Yeah, and that's mm. what we need the Wallabies to be, that sort of team. And then the third thing is is creating an environment in a short period of time where people want to come. You know, they want, yeah. they're knocking down the door and there's there's enough hard work and enough enjoyment in the environment to, to make them give a bit more, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, your squad for the rugby championship, your name in the next few days, I, I'd imagine. And I know Sunday, you've got guys. Sunday, Sunday yeah. there you go. Okay. Have you seen what you wanted to see from guys that you left out of your training squad in April? And, and conversely, have you seen what you wanted to see from the guys that you did bring in and, and deliver a few home truths to? Uh, look, it's a, it's a bit of both, mate. Uh, yeah. Yes, we have seen some improvement. Like, you know, I thought Queensland towards the end of the season played remarkably well, you know, and, and you know, at the forefront of their charge was, was Harry Wilson and, and Tade McDermott. Yeah, you know, they yeah. were outstanding. Yeah. And that's and that's good to see because, you know, we did leave them out of the squad. We did think they needed to work on certain areas of the game and they worked on that. So that's been promising, you know. Uh, but there's been other players that have been disappointing, but they get another chance in camp, mate. And, you know, yeah. this week in Coogee's a, a chance for those guys who have missed out on the finals to to put their best foot forward. I read your books and you talk a lot about the struggle, you know, to belong, to prove yourself, to make your mum proud, to compete. Is that almost, you almost like to see that from Tate and Harry, mm-hmm. that they actually were left out of them and they really did show top form and they were tough as hell? Yeah, well, I want to see that, but it's not, not because I feel like that. It's because they've <laughs> got to get better as the players. Like, yeah, you know, let's, let's face the facts, Australia's won 38% of their tests since 2015. Like, so there's not too many players here that have done well. 
Like mm. that's the reality of the situation. There's well, only one. You were a very, rate. you were a very, you were a very big contributor to that thirty-eight yeah. <laughs> percent. Yes, true. <laughs> we had a bit of luck, mate. But then, you know, Super Rugby, we've, we've had one team that win over fifty percent in the last eight years, and the rest are below forty yeah. percent. So players need to improve. Let's let's be. Mm. Because I'm, I'm not going to play the game. Like, no. all I'm going to do is create an environment for them to be better in. But they've got to play the game and they've got to they've got to accept that they're part of the problem and, and a massive part of the solution. Mm. And if, yeah. if they are prepared to work harder and be smarter about their preparation, be more focused, then we can smash and grab, mate, and win the Versailles <laughs> Cup, win the Rugby Championship and win the World Cup. Imagine that. Yeah. Can you, can you believe that if you can do that, it will have been, you know, since you were last in charge, since Australia last held it. Is that, or has that been a, a source of frustration for you all your years away? Uh, no, not. I wouldn't say sense of frustration, but yeah, you know, when I got the invitation to come back, I really didn't have to think about it too much because yeah, yeah I've, all, I've always been a proud Australian, and I want to see Australian and, and rugby's my sport, so mm. I've always wanted to see the Wallabies do well. Um, yeah, and when they haven't done well, I wouldn't say I get frustrated. I'd say I get disappointed, but it's great to have an opportunity to try to redress mm. the balance, mate. How big a squad will you will you name this weekend, and and, and how 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 much will you need for the for the rugby championship? No, we're going to name small, mate. Um, okay, I don't right. want I don't want this to be about selection. I want yep. this to be about building a team that's capable yep. in the World Cup. So I'll only go with thirty three, and then any rehab players we have. Yeah, sure. And it's 33 for the World Cup this year, isn't it, too? 100%, yeah. Yeah, right, right. Are there any positions that you're finding difficult and which ones do you want our assistance with now? <laughs> well, I'm happy to take any assistance, mate. Um, okay. But, uh, uh, no, like I couldn't sleep last night. Um, no, we were excited probably, about the chat too, Eddie. We, we uh, were. Yeah, well, I was excited <laughs> about the chat, and I was probably worried about the ashes too. And and <laughs> yeah, um, true. no, when, whenever you get to this stage, you know, I tend to have less less sleep at night because you yeah. want to make sure you get it right, and you want to make sure you give everyone the opportunity. They've had the opportunity to to be at their best. So yeah, yeah. There's a number of positions, but I wouldn't. I I I don't think I could actually name them, mate. Let me let me throw one curly one at you. With Toulouse beating La Rochelle, does that edge Richie Arnold ahead of Will Skelton? Uh, I, no, I think that was answered by the drink of water. Uh, <laughs> but, but both bloody good players. Both yeah, they are. excellent players. Like yeah. in, interesting about Richie Arnold. I didn't know anything about him. Yeah. Uh, I knew Rory, obviously. But... Ever since Rory's left to lose and he's been by himself, yeah, you know, he's, he's grown, really gone well, hasn't he? Literally grown another leg. And I, I yeah. went over and met the to lose head coach and chatted to him about it. And yeah, you know, sometimes, you know, and Mark and I play with Mark and Glenn, as you know. Yeah, I think yeah. maybe Mark sometimes kept the lid, not not purposely, but kept the kept Glenn from oh, reaching. Yeah, like yeah. Mark was focused. Wanted to win, wanted to make was Glenn was you know easy going, loved life, you know, and and always felt Glenn, didn't, you know, felt like he was he had to be the subservient yeah. mark. Uh, it's just a feeling, and maybe it was the same with Richie and and, and Rory. You know, yeah. no one knows, but you can you can pretend to, to pretend to know. 
yeah. <laughs> on the on the second row, Eddie, I know that you know you won a World Cup as um, as a coach, as an assistant coach with South Africa, and they had obviously some of the two of the best locks in history. But also in the 2019, you faced a South African team that had about a thousand locks. I mean, six locks they could put on the field. Um, and you famously, you know, went with Courtney Law as a big six. Uh, Peter Steptoy plays a six now. Do you think that's the way you have to do it? Because even if a, a little man can do a one-off game like Damian McKenzie on a tournament of seven matches, mm. it seems like if you can put the best lock duo on the field, uh, and I think, you know, I think your team uh, did outplay Brody Retallick and Sam Whitelock and Scott Barrett. Uh, is that the way you're looking at this, is to load up on the second row? Well, well, I don't think there's any doubt, you know, you've got to have big men up front. You know, you've got to have big physical men up front. And if you can find a, a six that's got the capabilities of four, then that, that's a real bonus. And we've got a few of those. You know, there's yeah. definitely a few of those. And, yeah, I think the other interesting thing on the weekend was that young Hooper, who they've had a lot of raps on, yeah. uh, played brilliantly at seven. He looked good. Uh, mm. And and big man, big powerful man at seven played well. And you know, again, South Africa, apart from when they play Quagga Smith, you know, generally <laughs> tend to play play three massive back rowers yeah, as, as France will. And yeah. they also play a six-two bench a lot of times. Both those teams, the French and the South Africans. Is that something you're interested in, or do you like? No, that? we're go we're going to seven-one, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Don't laugh. Who's Don't the one? Laugh. Yeah, who is the one? The one will be the one that has to fill a number of positions. It's going to be Reese Hodge. You're going to teach Reese Hodge how to feed a scrum, aren't you? He can do anything, mate. He can do anything. So when you're picking a squad for the World Cup, do you actually think of that as a special position, the utility guy? Yeah, 100%, mate. Well, I'll tell you how we pick the World Cup squad. We pick the top 15 players, which generally are pretty easy. You know, in any country you go... They're pretty much a standout. Now, you might get some media debate about like a Mwanga versus Barrett, but generally, you know, there'll be someone you, you think's the best player. And then we pick the bottom five. And what I mean by the bottom five is the guys who probably won't play a lot of rugby, but are going to be uh, absolutely yeah. outstanding team guys. Train hard, support the other players. If they're not selected, they don't kick stones. You know, they just want to be part of the team, and that's that's really important for us. And then we need one or two utility players. Mm -hmm. Are there are there some examples of those bottom five guys that you can think of through England, through Japan, through South Africa oh, back over your time? Yeah, hundred percent, mate. Like with, with Australia in two thousand three, we had David Croft and John Rowe. Yeah, yeah, they were just exceptional, mate. I remember John Rowe on the day of the World Cup final in 2003, he did a PB on his bench press. That's how committed yeah, he was right. to the best player. Like, just fantastic. In 2015 with Japan, we, the, the, you know, the famous captain that I had a bit of a tussle with at the press conference, uh, Hirose, he, yeah. he stayed in the team, ne never played at the World Cup, but was just an outstanding support captain to... Yeah, to right, uh, Leach, and he basically did all the work off the field for Leachy and allowed Leachy to be the mm. best captain on the field. So mm. those guys are super important. Mm. A lot of times that utility back is a 15-ish player, like Franz Stein or Damien Vlimsa or uh, maybe looking in Australia, Jordan Pattaya or Andrew Kellaway type players where 
they really can play wing. They can really play in the centers. Uh, when you look at that for Australia this time around, are you looking at Reese Hodge or are you looking at someone like a Tom Wright or a Jordan Pattaya? Well, you know, Hodgie can do that job. You know, he's played 12, 13, can fill in ten, at 10, uh, plays fullback, you know, kicks goals from 50. Yeah, and he's got a massive boot, mate. You know, mm. which again, if, if you look at how the Chiefs were able to kick the Brumbies, that's, that, we know yeah. that's a significant factor. And, you know, France picked Ramos at, at 15 who can kick the ball 60 metres consistently. Mm. Um, so, and, and Pattaya, you know, what a talent he is. Um, you know, I was, we cased against him in that 2019 quarterfinal when he was just a kid. Mm. Uh, but he's he's maturing nicely. And again, a guy who could play, you know, anywhere from 12 to 15 for you. He's, he's yeah. big too. He's bigger Massive, than Massive, mate. Massive. Yeah. Got a huge... Mm. Uh, backside and and legs not that i'm in the backside but it gives you you a bit of power well you do talk about being a test match animal and how sometimes you know the jump from club to country does get into physical attributes is that something you measure do you have like uh you know eddie jones measurements that you want to get the speed power or is it more of feel for how they play in contact Never, I'm not a, I'm not a big one for metrics. You know, we've got a really good S and C team here, and we do keep, we do keep some information, but it's never a, a selection factor. Yeah, because some of the guys who can run fast off the field don't run that fast on yeah. the field. And <laughs> yeah. Some guys who see shadows on the field run fast at some stages and they run fast <laughs> at other stages. So it's more about what they can do on the field. Yeah, yeah, and acceleration into contact versus acceleration yeah. Yeah, when you're free. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How do you how are you going to balance, particularly through the rugby championship? How are you going to balance your your overseas picks? And I'm sure there'd be guys that you would love to have in your squad, but have maybe just come off a a long France season, for example. So how do you try and balance what you need for this current tournament with what you might need in September? No, mate. In, in all frankness, we're going we're going hell for leather it's a sprint you know yeah right we've, we've got a 1200 meter sprint which is the the pretoria Bledisloe cup rugby championship and then we go into a melbourne cup prep you know and we'll pull them yeah. back a bit. bart cummings get them ready we, we need you know well without taking the games for granted in the pools we'll need to peak for the that'll be our first game we need to pick for as a quarter final you know, yeah so we'll be We'll, we'll go hell out for the rugby championship because we need the win, mate. We need to mm. get people excited about the, the Wallabies again. And yeah. if we're good enough, we'll win that. And then we go in with, you know, a fair bit of confidence and a fair bit of support. Um, and that's the team we want to be. Get it ready for a Cox Plate, Caulfield Cup, Melbourne Cup. That's Sweet. it, mate. That's okay. it, mate. <laughs> so you're always, learning, you're always learning, Eddie. What did you learn? What's the most important thing you learned from 2019 that you're going to uh, apply in 2023 in the World Cup? Uh, never think that everything's okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, you've always got to be mining for conflicts, mining for problems. And we probably got us seduced a bit in 2019. Well, we did. You know, it was my fault, mate. Uh, we thought we were right, ready to go, um, but we hadn't dug deep enough to... Yeah, there's still a few grenades lying around from the 2015 World Cup. And when you least least expect it, they explode on you and then you you know, you, you can't recover from them. And that was a that was a, a fairly harsh coaching pill to swallow. Yeah. 
are, are there some um, are there some younger guys in Australia that you're genuinely excited about working with over these next few months? Uh, look, there's a host of good young players, mate. Yeah, if you look at uh, yeah, we just mentioned Bataya, yeah, uh, Tate McDermott, uh, Donaldson, Carter, Gordon. You know, then in the fours, there's a few young ones coming through. You know, that young lock from the Rebels, Canham, is it? Canham. Canham. Yeah. 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 Looks really promising. Done really well, mate. Good young kid. Um, So there's all that good talent coming through, but we've just got to work out, you know, which ones are going to be mature enough to handle the World Cup. To me, the the biggest puzzle is always the loose trio. Um, Mm. When when you're looking at the stocks in Australia, I'm... I'm amazed how good, like a Rob Bellatini is such a great ball carrier, but knowing where to fit a guy, whether it's six, seven, or eight, look at Artie Savea playing at eight for so long, you're not sure he is an eight. Um, you know, how do you mix that and, and is the player 20 or 21, whoever it is, the, the extra Lucy, um, do you have some thoughts around that already? Do you know who that extra Lucy is going to be coming in at 60 minutes? Well, well I think that the way scrummaging's gone, yeah, you know, number eight ability to play at the back of the scrum is so important now. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and we've seen that with Savaya to a uh, to an extent, and Samu, Samu with yeah. uh, the Brumbies. Where yep. If you've got an eight who can control the ball and get off quickly, um, particularly with the the emphasis that's been on power scrummaging, scrummaging the penalty, that ability to change it up and play a quick channel and get your eight yep. off. And and I think at some stage, I don't know how quick it's going to come, back row moves will come back into it. I'm not sure mm-hmm. when. Um, but mm-hmm. I think I think that's going to come back into the game again. Um, so eight becomes a bit of a specialist position. And then seven and six, whilst, whilst you prefer your six to be, uh, have the ability to jump in the line out, you know, seven and six have got to share that break, that breakdown work, yeah. that you know, that general work rate around the field, they've got to share that. And the eight's got to be a bit more of a decision maker. Yeah, yeah. No, fair. In that um, in that 26, 2016 interview, the last par I, I, I wrote, um, I asked you a simple question about whether you thought your international coaching career was done when your Wallabies tenure came to an end in, in 2005. And... And you surprised me with your answer. You said, I thought I'd still coach Australia again, mate, and you never know that might happen. <laughs> that was in 2016, Eddie. Right. <laughs> I was being optimistic, mate. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, does it, what does it mean for you to, to come home and, and have a second crack at, at, uh, at winning a World Cup with the, with the Wallabies? Uh, oh, the, the, the overriding feeling is one of honour, mate, and privilege. Yeah. I've got to be completely honest because yeah. I, I never really chased coming back to Australia. Like, I, you know, I was I was happy to, to coach England to the next World Cup and then they decided they weren't so happy. Um, but I had something, I already had something in plan I, yeah. where I was going to go. Um, and that was going to be uh, a good experience for me because mm-hmm. the lucky thing, you know, when I get to my age, I... I'm I'm really not coaching for any sort of personal satisfaction. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I yeah. want to make sure I leave something for the country I'm I'm, yeah. I'm coaching in or the team I'm coaching in. And so when the Australian came, thing came about and and they were keen to 
keep going forward. You know, I was just honoured and privileged to have the opportunity, particularly where the rugby's been, you know, to try to come back and, and, and you know, be a little bit of a flag bearer for the game. Yeah, yeah. Have you enjoyed that? Have, have you enjoyed making the headlines that you've made? Oh, mate, it's tiring. Like, <laughs> yeah. We, we had a camp on uh, Friday. I flew, firstly finished training, got on a plane, flew flew to Sydney, went to Briars, who had a 50th anniversary, and, you know, by 3 o'clock in the afternoon, they're, they're, they're cut, mate. You know, they're <laughs> rugby lunch. Just to just spell then, a rumour, Eddie, are you paid by the media reference? Are you paid by how many times you're in the headlines? <laughs> And is is Hamish McLennan fighting you for the TV camera at this point? I mean, it looks like he really likes to get in there too. Uh, no, he can have it, mate. He can have it. <laughs> oh, it's easy. Uh, it's easy. And then, uh, then I, I went to Coffs on Saturday for their the Snappers 50th anniversary dinner. Yeah, uh, right. And you and that makes a difference to people, mate. It really makes a difference. So that that you know, again, it's a it's an honour to do that sort of work. So and then we're back here in, in Coogee for a camp this week. So yeah, it is it's pretty tiring. But I gotta I, I have to stop now because I need to focus on just smash and grab, mate. Whether we go through the front door or the back door, <laughs> the long lunches are over. Can you are are you prepared to confirm or deny whether your your future plans post England involve the US? Uh, well, I, I was really keen to do it, mate, because I'd love yeah. to see, I'd love to see America be a, a legitimate mm. rugby country, and I think it'd be great for the game. You know, you just look at the difference Japan's made to, yeah, to, to the game of rugby, and if, if USA were able to do that, that'd be fantastic. But they're they're not in a position to really mount any sort of serious challenge. Yeah, yeah, no, the 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 reports at the time were were really interesting, and it felt like you'd be a a good fit and then next thing you know you're in australia so it's a it's a great fit did you let slip your future plans when you're in england with the with the barbars when you no, said you were only no. worried about the world cup but i am you know yeah i know i know you are yeah 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 and and post that you know i've signed to go with australia again and and if if they they still want me post the world cup then then i'll be there if they don't then then, you know, um, there's plenty of good young coaches coming through. You know, I think Stevie Larkin's going to make a fantastic Wallabies coach. Yeah, he probably yeah, right. a couple more years at the Brumbies, but I think he'll be he'll he'll make a very good coach. Yeah, right. So you, you like what he's brought back from, from Ireland? Well, I think just think he's matured a lot. And I think, yeah, you know, if, again, if you look at the most successful all-black coaches, they've all coached in the Northern Hemisphere. And I think... The Northern Hemisphere teaches you that grit and the seriousness of set piece. And yeah. I think in Australia, you know, with Super Rugby, we still haven't understood how important the set piece is to yeah. win the game, apart from the Brumbies. And, you know, there's four other teams in Australia that needs to understand that. And we need to have players that understand, like, that's the mm. basis of the game. You can't, like, look at Canterbury. Every time they get on the tr in trouble, what do they do? They go back to yeah. the scrum and, and back to their and driving north. ball. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, to get yeah. them back on the front foot. And then Mwanga does, you know, clever things, chip kicks, cross kicks, steps, and everyone thinks they're playing this fast, loose sort of rugby, but mm. it's far from the truth. Yeah, certainly. Mm. Which uh, which teams, like which nations are you, are you really keeping an eye on for, for September and, and October in the World Cup? Oh, mate, the, the only thing we'll be interested in is is uh, the teams we're playing, yeah, you know, in the pools. Yeah. So we've got Georgia, Wales, Fiji, 
uh, and Portugal. Portugal. And, yeah. and then, yeah, quarterfinal will be England or Argentina. So we'll keep watching those two. And then we won't worry past that because you know you're going to have to play a top four country. Yeah, yeah. yeah. How much do you know about Portuguese rugby at the moment? Uh, a little bit. I watched, I watched them play against Japan. Um, yeah, right. And they got uh, La Jiske as coach. And, you know, they, they play a fairly open, uh, free-flowing style of game. So we've got Georgia who basically scrum them more. Mm. Uh, we've got Fiji who are going to throw it around from everywhere and will have the biggest centre combination in the world. Yeah, you know, <laughs> yes. Tummy Vula and, and Ran Raka. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's going to be scary. Like, the, you know, the funny thing was that Barbar's World 15 game, which, you know, in all in all respects is a pretty social sort of game. First 10 minutes when Karevi, Karevi we had Karevi and Tamavali versus Ranraka and, and the Mapi, and the collisions early on were huge. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, Fiji. So we'll just worry about them, mate. Well, you've obviously, you, uh, you obviously have a lot of scouting tips on, on Wales. You've played Wales a bunch of times, and you obviously uh, you, you understand England, England quite well. But Argentina might be a little wild card. I forget, did, did you play Argentina that much for with England and with the Cheka coming in with a, a little bit of a different style? Well, the big thing Cheka's brought to them, you know, they've stopped playing super rugby. You know, they went through that yeah, period yeah. where they – they had the Jaguars in Super Rugby and their, their their test team became a mimic of Super Rugby and they played loosely, threw the ball around. And, and Argentinians have been great World Cup teams because they've had so much grit about them. Mm. Yeah, and and they're, they're probably their best performance in 2007 where they basically played Astro Ball. You know, everything went in the air. <laughs> uh, and then they'd play off turnovers. And, and yeah. you know, Checkers, Checkers got them kicking a hell of a lot, mate. You know, yeah, and he's, but he's got that grit and determination in defence. They they fight hard at the breakdown, and they're going to be a tough team to beat. Yeah, yeah. they're still they're still going to turn out a hell of a back row. Yeah. that's that's been the hallmark of their game for so long now. It's been great. Look, Eddie, I'm I'm, I'm conscious of time, and I know you've, you've you've had a busy week, and you've got a much busier week coming up. It's been absolutely fantastic to have a chat to you. We've gone probably a little bit longer than I thought we might. So, look, thanks so much for your time. Um, Best of luck come, in the rugby come championship. Back. And, come back, Eddie. Yeah, yeah and absolutely, no, no. yeah. We'll we'll talk again soon. I'd love to. All right, good on you, boys, and thanks for all the support you give to rugby. Hey, cheers. Good on Bye-bye. Eddie. Thank you. The roar, Harry. We've just spoken to Eddie Jones. How good was that? I really like that. Um, yeah, you know, so I've, I've I've written some things about Eddie in terms of how good a short term guy is, but I wondered about the long term. I, I got to say, I forgot all that during this interview because the guy is just really fun to talk to. Uh, mm. He's got a fertile mind. He's very engaging. All the place. He doesn't really care. He says whatever he wants to say. I love that. Yeah. He wasn't a guarded, you know, national test coach interview. No. He's t- talking about backsides and seven-one splits and smashing doors down. <laughs> we. We laugh at the idea of a seven-one bench, but he's going to run a seven-one bench out at some point, and we're going to have to. Lick our he wounds, doesn't, don't we? He doesn't like reserve nines. I think he likes to just go with one nine and go and that say, "Hey, you, you're playing the whole match." Yeah. And then have some, yeah, have a big yeah. backside Jordan Pattaya come on and say, "You're everything in the back line." Although I think Jordan could do it. Yeah, save your voice, Nick White. You're gonna need to go eighty. <laughs> <laughs>
We've we've mentioned the uh, the French top fourteen final already, uh, and it was a win to Toulouse. They won- beat La Rochelle twenty nine twenty six to win the French top fourteen title. It was Romain Intermac who scored that brilliant solo try three minutes from time uh, as the Toulouse snatched that dramatic three point win. Uh, hell, I mean, hell of an occasion. Eighty odd thousand in the Stade de France in Paris. Um, just an incredible atmosphere, just an incredible occasion and and a, and a pretty fair game too, to be fair. Yeah, and French club fan base is so good. I they mean, love they it. They love it, stadiums, they? Yeah. play all day, they go early, they're all drunk and full and having fun. Yeah, yeah, they are, they are. Let's hope that uh, is replicated this weekend in the Super Rugby Pacific final in Hamilton, the, the, the Chiefs hosting the Crusaders. It's 1v2. Uh, that's from 7.05 New Zealand time, 5.05 uh, in, in Australia, and uh, you all know where to find that uh, at this point in the season. On the tipping front, mate, you pulled one back on me last week, but the gap remains at six. Will it stay at six when it resumes this week on Thursday? What are you? Let's declare our tips now. What are you picking? You know what? Just because Chiefs. I think that Jeff's going to say the Crusaders, then I'm going to say the Chiefs. So, no, well, our gap I'll, will stay the same. No, our gap will stay the same. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. There you go. The tipping panel will be back on Thursday, but now you know what, what Harry and I are going to pick. And now we've got between Chiefs. now and then to actually work out how we're going to justify those tips. Um, some <laughs> news from the last seven days, mate. Um, and this was actually news that I had last week and, and didn't get to it for, for, for reasons. Former Brumbies captain Sam Carter is switching from Ulster to join his former coach, Dan McKellar, at Leicester Tigers, mm. as is Solomon Carter, who played for Moana Pacifica last year. So he's been over playing for, I can't think who, uh, over over in Europe somewhere. Uh, he'll be he'll be heading to, uh, to Leicester as well. So it's going to be a full-blown Brumbies reunion with Dan Palmer on his way there as well. Queensland Reds back rower and friend of the pod, Harry Wilson, claimed back-to-back Stan Pilecki medals as the Reds' best and fairest for 2023. He's the ninth Queenslander to win multiple Players' Player Awards. Joins Tanyola Tupo, Samu Karevi, Liam Gill, Will Genia, David Croft, the aforementioned, uh, Chris Latham and Jason Little in w- winning the medal in consecutive years as well. No one has carried the ball more in two consecutive seasons than Harry Wilson. No, he has had no. a big a big little period of, uh, of, yeah. of ball carrying for sure. Sansa last Thursday was forced to apologize after rugby Australia chairman, who I think is also the Sansa chairman. Now Hamish McLennan created a bit of confusion around the rugby championship schedule in a podcast interview. He made mention of them being open to it being played at the front half of the year and that maybe New Zealand weren't keen. Turns out maybe Sansa aren't a hundred percent on board yet too. So he spoke a little out of turn there. Uh, there'll be a new sporting commission has been formed to help transform and strengthen the governance of premiership rugby in England. It's going to be chaired by Nigel Melville, who has had a long history uh, running and, and overseeing the uh, the premiership and all rule over matters like season structure, uh, premiership rugby regulations, player loading, all those other, all, all those other sort of things um, as well. Um, the Italian Rugby Federation and Azuri head coach Kieran Crowley have agreed to part ways after the World Cup. With Maladetto. What a terrible timing. Why would you say yeah. that right before the World Cup? It's stupid. Well, and then try and dress it up as by mutual agreement. Yeah, I don't quite buy that. Tongan head coach Todai Kefu 
has included former Wallabies uh, forward Adam Coleman, uh, as we mentioned last mm. week or the week before, as well as former All Black Seven star Peter Arkey in his squad for the July Test ahead of the World Cup. Form All Blacks via Fafita, Augustine Pulu, Charles Piatau, Malachi Fikitoa, and George Moala are in the squad as well, uh, as are former Wallabies Lepeti Tamani and Israel Falau. Similarly, Stephen Luatua, Christian Leliafano, and Lima Sopawanga were among a host of debutants uh, named in the Manu Samoa pre World Cup squad. Um, it includes Moana Pasifika back rower Miracle Failangi, who Paul Cully mentioned on the pod only a few weeks ago as maybe being on the all black radar. So that's a good thing. South African director of rugby, Rassi Rasmus, has confirmed the Springboks will send two separate squads across the Indian Ocean for their first matches of the rugby championship. So the box will host Australia in Pretoria on July 8 and then play New Zealand in Auckland on July 15. He's basically said it's almost disrespectful to expect one squad to go from, from Pretoria, from Loftus to Eden Park and play those two tests in seven days. And I'm going to get C's point. I'm going to be in Pretoria, and if Elton Youngkies is playing uh, fly off for the, the box on my trip to Pretoria, I'm going to be Vus. I'm looking forward to that instant reaction already. Uh, Ian Foster did name his uh, his All Black squad for the um, for the Rugby Championship, and I don't think it had any huge surprises in it. Maybe Dallas McLeod uh, on as as one of the outside backs was was maybe a surprise. Was there any anything that, that jumped out at you? I mean, the only real talking point was Sean Stevenson not being in and Dallas McLeod being in. I mean, I, like, I think that's the only yeah. possible. Because you look at Sean Stevenson's work, body of work over the season, it was really good. I think and, he mentioned defense, maybe. So, yes. Yeah. And, and, as many, and as many people said, it's one thing, it's, it's interesting that he talks about Sean Stevenson's defense, but then picks Caleb Clark. So, you know, work that out. <laughs> five, five uncapped players, Cam Roygaard, Dallas McLeod, Imorni Narawa, uh, Sammy Penny Finau and, and Tom Mighty Williams as well, who have all had pretty strong Super Rugby Pacific seasons. And then just late before we went to air, um, and there was an announcement from World Rugby that Auckland, Dunedin and Wellington will host the inaugural series of WXV1 um, later this year. The top six international women's teams will play across nine tests during the tournament from 20th of October to the uh, to the 4th of November, um, which will be a fantastic occasion for the women's game. Uh, each match venue each weekend will have a standalone Friday night game and then a Saturday doubleheader. So that's how they'll, they'll get through that. That's that's going to be great, I think. It will be really interesting to see how that plays out. But, mate, that is us done for episode 67 of the Royal Rugby Podcast, and it has been a big one. Don't forget, Harry and I are both on the socials. More ratings and reviews flooding in, as did... Synapse138 this week, who said, I want Harry's job. He says, great podcast. <laughs> I download each episode and then listen weekly whilst undertaking a second job. As I beaver away, it always makes me wonder where I went wrong. In the next life, I want Harry's job. Uh, but seriously, mm. Pod has great hosts, terrific guests, entices significant insights in the game. Despite being a rugby traffic, I learned tragic. I learned something that I may not have fully understood almost every episode. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Synapse. We all want Harry's job for the for the record. Uh, do like, follow, subscribe in your pod platform of choice, and make sure you see every new episode as soon as it goes live. And particularly as we get into instant reaction season, that we'll be back on Saturday night with an instant reaction after the Super Rugby Pacific final. It's the Raw Rugby Podcast with me, Brett McKay, and Harry Jones every week on theraw.com.au, Australia's biggest sporting debate. 
the home of all your favourite rugby analysis, opinions and conversations. Thanks for listening. We'll be back in your ears Saturday night. Come smash and grab with us.